If I were to sum up business in a couple of sound bites, one is constant experimentation mm -hmm. and just going into it unattached. Like, I mean, do your best, but not everything's going to be a winner. Not everything's going to land. And I learned that lesson from one of my friends and fellow masterminders, Tina Forsyth. We were doing some partnership thing a few years back. And I said, well, what if it doesn't work? And she goes, how will we know? We have to experiment. So that experimentation piece yeah. just, I think, makes business so much more fun. And then the other thing is, like, hold it lightly. Again, do your best, but hold it lightly. This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind the scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss, show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. On today's episode, I'm talking to one of my coaches, someone I truly look up to and boss of her business, Carolyn Herforth. When Carolyn isn't hiking the Hudson Valley with her favorite Irishman, she's working with six and seven figure business owners who want to pivot to their next level of growth, but don't see a clear path. She's a pro at spotting opportunities and crafting new revenue streams with offers you love almost as much as your clients will love to buy them. We spoke recently and talked about decluttering online and becoming unattached to your email list. The best thing you can do right now if you haven't yet hit six figures. Dealing with an unhappy client that comes out of nowhere. And when Carolyn sold her four-bedroom house and everything in it to move to New York City and do something completely new. And how powerful even entertaining these off-the-table ideas can be for our business and personal growth. So buckle up. Here we go. Welcome to the show, Carolyn. Great to have you here. I'm glad to be here. So I am inviting badass business owners who are doing a variety of things that I really love and respect. And you are obviously one of those people. I found you years ago. How long ago? Years. <sighs> six, seven, eight years ago. And you stuck with me because I think one of the things I love about you most, and I got it from the second we connected, was that you walk the walk. You you clearly practice what you're, you preach. Your brand is so you and how you show up is exactly in line with your brand. And you rebranded kind of recently, but your old brand, same thing. Like I just feel like you do a really great job of just the through line being authentic the whole way through. And it's super cool and exciting. And, and so I love when people walk the walk. I'm really attracted to people like that. And so I think that makes you a badass boss of your business. So all right. Great. Big compliment coming from you. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So how would you describe yourself to give us the sum up? No nonsense to the point yet likes to have a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> yeah, I would say that. And your, your homepage of your website is so fabulous. Bright yellow with you in this amazing ball gown striped dress. <laughs> Did you buy that just for the shoot? <laughs> I did, but I have worn it so many times since then. And it's that, it's that fabulous, fabulous of a dress that I have threatened to wear it to the diner just to eat like a jelly roll or something, because it's just one of those things where it's like, it turns heads. It's such a, I feel a, like a million bucks in it. And it's not one of those just going to wear it for the photo shoot dresses. Thank you, Ted Baker. <laughs> I love it. So I think of you as working specifically with people who are a little farther along in their business. That's where I've always kept you in my mind. You know, multiple six-figure women who are looking to go to the next level. Is that accurate? It's true. It wasn't always like that. I made a, I'd, I've made always worked with people in that range, 
But up until about a year and a half ago, I was also working with women who hadn't hit six figures and I ran an accelerator to help them get there and set up their business in a, in a way and really understand how the different parts of business work. And so I did that for six and a half years. I ran 22 accelerators and it was so much fun, but I got to a point where I was starting to feel a little stale. And so that's when I decided, you know what? I am just like, I am going to do exactly the opposite of what most other people do. And I'm going to go back and just work only with private clients. I mean, I've got some passive income stuff, but like only work with private clients. And yeah, there are multiple six figure women and some seven. And they get to a point where they're like, oh, what? Like what's next for me? What's it going to be? And usually there's a tug of war because you don't want to give up what you've worked so hard for. And there's that transition point. There's that middle point. You know, we've all heard the the term between two trapezes and there's people don't want to let go of the trapeze because they don't know what the next thing is. And I have so much fun really fully seeing the entire human what she's done, who she is, what she wants, and really digging deep and listening to the reasons why she's not doing what she would like to be doing and saying, well, what if you tried it this way? Or what about this? Or what about that? And it's like, it's magic. It's like, it's, I I think masterminds are great. I think they're awesome because you get a lot of different opinions, but you still need to kind of process that stuff. And there's a lot of conflicting opinions. What I like about what I do with my clients is it's the two of us. And I get to go so deep and really see what you're up to and what you've been up to and how to how to use that, how to leverage that to springboard way beyond where you are and make it easier and more fun, hopefully. I, I can completely relate. And there's something really magical and, and exciting about the one-on-one conversations. And last year when I came over and we had that, that fabulous margarita Oh my God. noshing little backyard party in your fabulous little bar, uh, backyard in, on the Upper West Side. I think you were mentioning how you went, you pulled back and went back to the one-on-one. I mean, people, we're all just like dancing around these different business models. <laughs> and yeah. I could completely relate to that because it's really, you get so much faster when you're working one-on-one with people. Mm-hmm. But the flip side is you're a very accomplished business owner and a business coach. And it's, in order to also have lifestyle, which is the other way you walk your walk, because you live exactly how you want to live and just how you kind of set your whole life up to to please you, if I may, which I love, means you have to charge a certain amount to do one-on-one clients, which means you have to work with clients who are farther along. Is that right. true? Exactly. Yeah. I find that if someone's hit, if they haven't hit six figures, I feel like it's a little uncomfortable uncomfortable for them to make the investment mm-hmm. and it's not because they don't have it because some people do have money saved or they've got profit or, you know, they're willing to make investments, but sometimes it just feels like a little bit more of a leap. And I could probably be charging a lot more than what I do, but I really feel like my prices and the pricing structure I've chosen is really fair. But I find that someone like you, who's well on their way and in the multiple six figures and beyond, it's like a, it's like, eh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I literally think that's what you did. You were like, I did. 
Okay. Well, <laughs> right. So I so I called you up. So I should tell the the backstory. So I've known you for years and I've sent many people to you, but for whatever reason it wasn't it didn't make sense. I've I've worked with so many different coaches, but more so in program settings a lot of times or for short stints. And and I thought of you in a very specific context and then that context happened to me <laughs> at the end of last year where I got to this position where I almost like I got everything I wanted. I was like, huh, what's next? So I guess I was on that trapeze saying, I'm not really sure what's next. And I need some, I need a mirror. Um, and you were the only person I thought to call. And, you know, we had our little call to figure out if it was a good fit. And I was like, oh, no, I already know it's a good fit. Like, what is it? <laughs> what it is. Okay, yes, let's do that. And totally, obviously worth it. But I, I, that that is a very specific kind of person. I don't encounter those people a lot. So it's in, right. I mean, it's it's Hard. it's a very unique position to have ascended to a place where you got a lot of what you wanted. Most people are, don't. Oh, wouldn't it be nice? You know, it's like, mm -hmm. no, it's just another step in the journey. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, mm -hmm. You know, and everyone can get there. And when you get there, there's going to be the what's next question because we're entrepreneurs and we're always looking for what's next. Yeah. You know, and it's so interesting because I, it, there is that letting go part. I don't know if you read my um, article that I sent out this Sunday about how, when I moved to New York nine years ago, I remember thinking Minneapolis doesn't fit me anymore, but I own a house. And my coach was like, rent it you know, <laughs> or sell it. Like, I was like, oh, and as soon all of a sudden, and then I had like had this vision. So for me, then I had the vision of like, oh my gosh, I could have this whole new life and be, have access to other smart people and be in a really bustling place and, and letting like selling virtually 90% of the stuff that was in my four bedroom house, huge yard, garage, like all the stuff, it became very easy. It became very easy to let go once I made like realize like, oh, there's an option and it doesn't even have to be a forever option. This is going to be an experiment. I literally moved to New York to see what it would be like for a year. And when that was, was that? Nine years ago. Nine, years ago. nine years ago. Yeah. And so I think we as women business owners do the same thing. We're human and we're like, well, I can't let go of that because that's what's been bringing in, you know, multiple six figures or seven figures all of this time. I can't let go of that program or I can't let go of that mastermind or I can't let go of that thing because it, because it brings in all this money. But what it's doing is it's oftentimes we're, it, it doesn't fit who we are anymore as a, as a business person. And so it's kind of stopping us from doing the next thing and expanding. And oftentimes we have a lot of stuff that we have let go or we don't know what to do with. And that's like, that's where I find them, you know, like find so much magic with my clients is what you've created this and this and this. And this. are you kidding me? We could do this with it. And like, <laughs> and to, so to me, but I think we have to be willing to let go and really be open. And before I um, got into this business, I had a franchise and I was helping people find and start franchises. And one Wait, of the- what was your franchise? My franchise is called The Entrepreneur Source. And oh. it was a franchise coaching business. Oh. So I was working with people, typically people who had been downsized, right-sized or cap-sized from corporate America. And they're like, 
I don't want to look for another job. You know, they had aged out of corporate or they had just, they're just like, I want to create a legacy for my family or whatever. And so I worked with a lot of C-level, VP, like management level people and some guys who used to like throw bags around for North. Northwest, Northwest Airlines. Yes, it used to be Northwest before Delta. You know, some blue collars too. But like there was, there's always the, you have to let go of some kind, like what you think your identity is or was, mm. letting go of a perception or a belief that you have about what that means to you and what it means to everybody else might mean nothing anymore. Like, so I really feel like that's keeping an open mind to say, you know what, if I just wiped everything off the slate and just like we jumbled everything up, what would it look like? Like it's this mindset of experimentation. So when I say an open mind, it's like just being open to like, what are all the possibilities? Because if we talk about enough possibilities, something is going to hit you and you're going to be like lightning strikes and this is it. And I think that but sometimes that involves letting something go and it might be a program. It might be a mastermind. It might be a perception or a belief or a house or, or, or a house. Exactly. Exactly. I ended up keeping that house for four years, (laughs) finally sold it. But yeah, so it's, I think we just have so much of our identity wrapped up in our stuff what we've created because we worked really hard to create it. And I look at all the stuff you've created, Pia, and I just think, holy crap, everything is top notch. You never mail it in ever. And yet you can outgrow it. And there are things that you have outgrown. And so trying to figure out how, but there's still value in those things. So I, and I would say that about 95% of the women I work with, there's just, we hit a point where we've outgrown it. And so it's interesting. Things can be going well, but it doesn't help you hit that bigger. And it's not always money. Like sometimes it's, I I mean, for you, it wasn't just money. It was like a sense of fulfillment and motivation. It wasn't money at all. It was like, I have the money. What? And then Mm -hmm. what's the other thing? I don't know. What is the other thing? You know, it's really easy when you need stuff. It's it's the Maslow's pyramid ascension, right? I mean, it's really easy when you're down, when you're lower on the Maslow's pyramid. Okay, but I need this amount of money or this amount of money. But once you get those things, okay, well, what else can I need? And it's, sometimes it's really hard to even expand your imagination. You just said so many golden things. I want to, <laughs> I want to like take a yellow highlighter. One of them is the idea that I mean, I, I think it's really clear when you talk about your work in franchise that you know, imagining people who have been in corporate this whole time and trying to expand their minds into what's possible. Because, you know, our whole lives, I think our society puts us through this. First, you go to elementary school, then you go to middle school, then you go to high school, then you go to college, then you get a job, and then you do this job in a linear way. You go up the ladder in the job. Mm -hmm. So that you were probably, I imagine, really breaking through a lot of those barriers with these becoming a business owner. We business owners, we feel like we already broke out of that barrier. So we're like, no, 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 I, I, I did that thing. Like I'm not doing the traditional path. And yet our minds are just seem to be primed to be doing that traditional path anyway, because now we're here and now we're on this trajectory. And that's what I think is so brilliant about the work that you do. And, and it's for a very specific person because, you know, I have, 
I actually have this whole thing I do with people that has to do with all about options. You know, it's in the show your business who's boss crash course. Can you come up with 50 options? Mm. You know? And some people, when I tell them to do that, they, they, they make five and they're like, that's it. You know, oh. you can't force people to do that work, but if you force yourself to go deeper and it, and I know that you do this, I mean, if you're doing it live, you get to actually say, well, how about this? How about that? But a person has to be willing to say, okay, yeah, I, I will at least entertain the idea that I could sell my house and move to a, another city, country. Yeah. I, I will entertain the idea that maybe even though I built all this stuff and it's amazing, maybe my next step has nothing to do with this. And that's scary. <laughs> it is. And actually, I feel like what our world is going through right now, we have such an amazing opportunity to let so much go and reinvent. Because I think a lot, like what I, what I see when I talk to a lot of women, I want to do this, but I want to do this other mm. thing. I've always mm -hmm. had this dream to do this, but, and there's always the buts, but I have a family, but I live here, but I, you know, have these customers, but like, there are a lot of buts and I totally get them. I like, I'm not making, right. nobody's wrong for having the buts, but I think this is where the fun comes in mm -hmm. is to say, you know, okay, but what if you did it this way? And what if this happened? And what, like, what if, what if, what if, yeah. and I just feel like if we can open ourselves up to that, oh, so much more. Like, so it's sad that you say, come up with 50 ideas and someone stops at five. Why wouldn't they just add, you know what? I could also add, like do underwater basket weaving. I could. Exactly. I, you know, it doesn't have to be the best it. idea. Yeah. It doesn't have to be an idea you're actually going to do. But if you let yourself let go and say underwater basket weaving, Hey, might not sound like a good idea, but I have pushed people to do this exercise. And when they finally give into it, they go, I came up with a bunch of ideas I wouldn't have considered, but now I'm actually looking at and they're not that bad. So it's a great exercise. I love that you're doing that. I think I'm going to have to go through your crash course because I want to see what you're doing <laughs> with that. That, um, it sounds amazing. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. I, I just, I love, I love that. I love you're, you know what you're so good at? You're so good at pushing buttons. And like, <laughs> and really getting people uncomfortable, but not, not in a like third grade school teacher way, you know, like where you shame it, but you like have a way of, of really like showing people how they're showing up without saying, this is how you're showing up. Does that make sense? Thank you. It's a natural personality trait <laughs> to point out to people and push people. And it's it's been my journey to figure out where that sweet spot is of pushing people without exactly what you're saying, kind of yeah. telling them how it is or 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 scaring them too, because it's yeah. a fine line, right? You want you always want to inspire and open somebody's mind to the possibilities. But sometimes that's about facing hard truths or facing a part of yourself that you don't really want to face. And I mean, I think that's what I experienced with you that you're really good at. And that's why people keep coming back to you is because helping people. And I love, I think it was in your contract or something. You said somewhere, this isn't therapy. <laughs> I love that you said that. It was like, it absolutely is. But I like that she's saying it's not. <laughs> because you don't want to take responsibility. I, I don't remember where you wrote that, but I said, I, I should have that in my contract too. <laughs> 
It is. It's in my, it's in my agreement. Yep. Your agreement. And you're right. It is therapy, but I don't want to, I, I don't want that to be a legal document. The responsibility. I mean, I call mine a brand shrink and a business shrink because a lot of this, is yeah. about, it's all about the mind. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting when I first stepped into this world out of, so I'd had my franchise business for seven years, wrote a book on how to buy a franchise. And then that was like kind of my peak. I thought, where am I going to go from here? This I've had it with franchise world. And I literally decided I wanted to go do something else. And I was watching some of my franchise clients struggle with the sales part of business. And I'm like, oh, well, that's always an issue. And I've been in the sales world and sales training for years. And so I'm going to create a sales training program. And I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> and then where are we? Where are we? so here's the thing you were doing the franchise thing you wanted to pivot you built the sales training course I'm going to pivot this conversation because okay. something that we've actually spoken about and I have seen you do and what I encourage people to do is just be hungry to learn and know things I was going to point out earlier you don't do branding you don't do copy but man are you good at branding and copy and marketing writing and all these things that you don't sell which I think is part of why your brand is so on point and all of your content is so great because you are actually a marketer even though <laughs> you don't consider you don't frame yourself as a marketer and similarly clearly you are also a sales guru. And because you have collected these skills, you've been able to pivot. Oh, I'll try this now. I'm going to do a sales course because I built all the skills for sales. And wow, isn't that amazing to be somebody who is acquiring all these skills that's making your business or your, your career better. And because you have all these skills, you can then pivot at some point, or you can say, you know what, I'm done with that. And I'm going to make a sales training course. Like how cool is that? That's the exciting thing. I think about just being hungry to learn things to make your business better. Is it, it also opens up opportunities for all kinds of businesses in the future, even if you don't think you're going to make them, <laughs> even if you're not getting ready for them. And I feel like creation, when I made the pivot from my franchise business into th this kind of this iteration of this business, not even this iteration, but this business, yeah. I felt such a deep need to create. So I followed the rules mostly mm -hmm. when I had my franchise business, because there was a process to help people find a business. Mm -hmm. And so I, I did that thing and writing the book was a step out of that process. It, like even my franchisor had never written a book before on franchising, which kind of, we butted heads about that, but whatever, it's a story for another day. But I really felt this deep need to create. And that's why I had to walk, like, I just had to go do my own thing. And the first thing I did was create that sales training program. And I think, and you're a creator too. So I feel like when we create it, re and then when we teach, mm -hmm. it really helps us see like what's resonating, how it's helping people. And then we are able to make small adjustments. And so when I think about that first sales training program that I created nine or 10 years ago, oh my gosh, it's so, it was called <laughs> the Biz Truth Boot Camp or something like that. I don't remember. Did that like for three rounds and I was like, ah, this could be so much better. So I renamed it and and expanded on it and I created Art of the Ask. And there were things in Art of the Ask where I started talking about business design. Cause when you help people buy franchises for seven years, 
you're looking at the business model. You're helping them see what's your role in this business model. How is this business going to make you money? How is it going to work with your lifestyle, your goals, your needs, your what you want, like all of that stuff. And so I thought, well, there really needs to be something in the sales training program about like just thinking about what you want your business to do for you. So I start like created this just tiny little module that who else would put that in a sales training program? Like mm-hmm. it just didn't belong, but it totally belonged. And at the end of that, I taught that many, many times. And then at the end of one of them, this woman said, oh my gosh, you go through this sales training so fast. Do you have like an apprenticeship or some kind of mentorship where you can just go through it more slowly and like all these parts of business? And that's what had me pivot into creating my accelerator, which lasted for over six years. Wow. And and then that focus was like, well, you got to start with your business model. And then there's marketing, thought leadership, like all the stuff. And so, but it was through creating. And let me tell you, I mean, I screwed up so many things and had have had so, so many failures. But if I look at even in the failures or even in the the pieces that of my business, it just the constant creation, I believe, is what has kept me able to continue to pivot, mm. even when the content doesn't land, because it's like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> what's, what's next? Absolutely. But but the. I have to believe that the act of constantly creating is the education that is allowing you to continually uh, evolve in a positive way. And of course, I talk about this on the on the show a lot. <laughs> Every failure is showing you what didn't work so that you can get a little bit more information to then try something new and try something that did work. And yeah. as creators, I mean, I I have created and recreated many things because as soon as it's a little time has gone by, well, that could be better. Or now I'm thinking about it in a different way. And, and also to your point, and this is a a challenge for me. I'm curious if it's a challenge for you. We started with branding and similarly, you started with sales. Mm -hmm. I started with branding and similarly came to the same place where it was like, well, you can't talk about your brand without figuring out your business model, (laughs) right? Know what you're going to sell and how you're going to sell it and how much it costs. And all of a sudden we're doing all this business modeling and I'm calling it branding. And that's how my brand had to evolve. But it's, it's almost like it's a, it seems like it's a natural progression for, for any business owner. If they're constantly creating, you're going to keep bringing in these other aspects because it's really the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It is the whole thing. That's where it starts. It all starts there. And I, I don't, so I'll let you in on a little secret. When I started my franchise business, it's almost slightly embarrassing if it weren't so funny and kind of ironic. The whole idea was to help my clients in the franchise business find the right business model. I didn't know what a business model was. I had no idea. I didn't understand the term I like didn't understand what it meant. And I remember like this was before Google was really like on everybody's like open screen (laughs) on Internet Explorer back in the day. And and I just like it took me a long time to figure out what a business model was. And then I was like, oh, that's what I'm really coaching. And then I started making money once I really figured out like, oh, okay. So if I ask these questions, it'll help me fill in the blanks over here. And then I can make recommendations based on uh, of, of different business models based on that. And it re- like, it really, once that flip switched, 
it made all the difference. And, and then I walked away from it when I started sales training. And then, yes, I came back in because I'm like, oh, yeah, what, I, it mostly came up during when I would do VIP clients because they always came to me for sales strategy because mm-hmm. that's like, that's my jam. And um, <laughs> I'd be like, but, but what do you, what's the value of what you're trying? trying to sell here. We got to fix this. So yes, same experience. You came at it through branding. I came at it through sales strategy. And I had the same experience as you, which is once I realized, and I didn't realize it so literally, probably because I didn't have that background before. So this was my, your franchise experience was my brand experience where I started to incorporate the business modeling into the brand shrink and strategy without, because it needed it. I mean, purely out of need. Oh, I, I really just, I literally, I need to just figure this thing out for them so I can do this brand. And so mm-hmm. it, it started as that. And then it it didn't take over, but it became a, a really big part of it, again, for the reasons you're saying. But it always comes out of this need because a lot of people, but, but both of us, it was, we had a really strong entryway yours with sales and mine with branding. And I kind of try to explain this to a lot of people too. Your brand is not everything you do. Your brand is the entryway. Your brand is the doorway in. You have so much experience and background and knowledge about all kinds of things, but you can't sell all those things. You sell the one thing used to be sales. That's very clear. People know they need sales. People don't you didn't know what a business model was. So you wouldn't be looking for a business model. And yet that would have been the thing that you needed help with. And I, mm-hmm. I, I've experienced that a lot. And that's a lot of why our, our brand is evolving into brand and business marriage, because they have to be the same. Yeah. 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 I mean, and actually that's what I taught in my accelerator. It all starts with the business model. Cause if mm-hmm. you don't have that figured out, then how do you brand? If you don't have that figured out, then how do people know what you stand for? If you don't have that figured out, how do you know how to market or what to market? If you don't have that figured out, how do you have a sales conversation? If you like all of it, like it has to start there. It's so foundational. And I, I also think it's fun because I've, I've been in business for almost 18 years, which wow, gosh, that's, like over half your life. And um, <laughs> and I think about all having been in the franchise world and then the online world of just the regular world, which I know the online world really kind of is the regular world in many ways these days. Now it is. Seeing all the different things, it's fun for me to, to have had such a broad experience with so many different business models, because I can be talking to someone and go, wow, have you ever thought of, and then I'll like pick some random thing out of a carpet cleaning business and see, have you ever thought of doing this and for your uh, marketing business? And it just makes sense. And so it's really fun to have such a broad, it's not just like I tell everybody you should have a mastermind. You you should have a platinum mastermind. (laughs) Right. And so I think there's a lot of fun. I think the writing is the other thing and the content creation Mm -hmm. of keeping things fresh. So if I'm not doing, if I'm not creating content for a new program, I need to be writing. I need to be doing video. I need to be doing something or I start to get stale. And for as often as I want to do gone fishing or I want to take a week off or time off, I think 
that content creation can also come through more organic stuff through social, which I don't do mm-hmm. that much of. Which I love, which I love that you don't do all the things. <laughs> you, you, I don't mean this like you're not present, but you fly under the radar in some ways. <laughs> and yet you have such a, a big, a clear audience and marketing strategy and all of that. I mean, I, I would assume that your your list and email marketing is your main Mm-hmm. Focus. It is. Yeah. yeah. And your is. podcast. Although, yes. Although I'm going to tell you two things. Well, one thing right now. I literally am on a spring cleaning kick. Mm. And so I'm, so last year when I changed over my CRM, I left Infusionsoft for active campaign. I let go of 8,000. Oh, you did. Oh, you did. I almost made that switch and didn't recently. Yeah. How's it going? I do it. And I was, I'm very happy with it, by the way. So let go of 8,000 people. And right now I'm in the process of letting go of a whole bunch more wow. because that's another thing. Like if I'm going to preach this letting go yeah. and I'm going to live it, you have to let go of something to make room for the next thing. And, and again, it doesn't have to be your list. It doesn't have to be subscribers. It doesn't have, like, it doesn't have to be a program. It might be something completely different for you, but like, just like trusting, there's just a trust that comes with it. That is so scary. Mm -hmm. Like we're going through this list cleaning right now and like literally I found myself spending about an hour yesterday going, okay, but did, have we looked at this and what about this? Like we should maybe keep these people on because they did made this action or did like, it's right. like I'm finding myself trying to find reasons to keep people in my space. And so it's, but yes, I mean, it's mostly been through my list and referrals is how I do most of like, that's where I get my clients. These 8,000 people. Who were they? Yeah. We don't need names, but. Well, I have, I have them all listed. Have- <laughs> I'll just start reading through. They just, they were pre-pivot, pre-pivot, pre-pivot. So like it, they were people who were maybe on when I had my franchise business and they don't right. need to be around anymore. Mm-hmm. Some of them were probably just wanted direct sales training half our lists are just people watching what we're doing. So, so, so that they can, well, okay, I'm going to do that. Yeah. And so like, I'm fine if I have no problem. Cause actually a lot of my clients are people who do what I do, like our business coaches, right. thoughts, whatever. So I'm totally fine with that. Cause I want them to see that you can, there's so many different possibilities, but yeah, those 8,000 and my business didn't, like I also changed my business model at that time because I ch- I let go of the accelerator. Like I put that on uh-huh. pause, and my accelerator might come back someday because it's such an amazing program and so like it's so ridiculous. I just needed to take a breath. So, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of them were probably a little more inclined to be accelerator clients, and I just right yeah it it was it was hard yeah yeah but also freeing. Well, people, people are very, get a lot of self-worth in their numbers, <laughs> their email oh. list when it doesn't matter if there are 8,000 people on there who are literally not your market at all and are not interested in what you have to say now because of what you're selling. And it, it can actually be, you can, it can feel really good about the big number. I know a lot of people 
listen, uh-huh. listening, like, how could you possibly, I wish I had 8,000 people on my list. How could you get rid of them? But you have this big number and then your open rates and your conversion rates are much lower because they're not the right people. Well, it really, mm-hmm. you're better off having 500 people on your email list who are all really engaged and hungry for what you have. And I, I think the conversation is moving towards that more recently. I, I've heard mm. people talking about it a little bit more. It's really not the list number. It's the conversion yeah. of the list. And yeah. plus there's a churn rate to some lists. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people are just coming on, as you say, see what's going on and then they unsubscribe and that has to be okay too. We can't be married to our list numbers. It's much better to be uh, a, a strong and mighty list. Um, as a well, and that's number. just it. It's like, okay, you can't blame people for wanting to come and get something that you created or said. And then they're like, eh, okay, I got what I needed by like, I just think it makes space for all of us. So I try really hard not to be attached. Like I even think about my friendships and my relationships. Like I have, I have low tolerance for like drama or mismatches. It's just like, it's okay. It's not you. It's not me. It's just, okay. Bye. Good luck. Like here's someone else you might want to follow. So like, I don't, I don't, yeah, no attachment, no attachment. They're not mine. They're not mine. So yeah. Yes. And I also, I think people are scared. We talk about this all the time. People are scared to focus. People are scared to get really clear and focused about their niche and who they're speaking to. But wouldn't it, isn't it a much more valuable world for all of us if we're super focused in our voice and who we're speaking to and what we're selling? And it's very, to a very specific kind of person. Mm-hmm. And we're each doing that. And then those people will actually get on those lists and get more value out of it because it's speaking directly to them. I mean, and then we will be on all these email lists and, and everybody's list can be strong and and make, make sales for them because it's so focused. I mean, that's kind of the world we are moving into, whether, whether you like it or not, that's the world we're moving into because being focused and strategic is the only way to, I, I think the only way to get really robust sales these days is to be focused. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's funny because I will catch myself every now and then speaking to an old client in my writing Mm. and I'll be like, whoa, 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 Carolyn back up. Like they may need that, but that's not the writing you need to be doing because then you're not going to be speaking to the people you do work with. So I, I can't, we, this is going to sound so ridiculous. You can't be like, you can't be the light forever. You can't hold everybody's hands and not that we're yeah. even hand holders because yeah, clearly. But yeah. yeah. You just, it, it's, I'm trying to find another way to say you can't be all things to all people and it's not working very well. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, I will catch myself defaulting into that every now and then. Right. Well, so, and then another part of your business is that you have been able to evolve to where you have landed because of all of your experience. And I, and because of what I said in the very beginning, which is that you walk the walk, this is, you are also this person. I think a lot of people think they can jump to, oh, I only want to work with people who are making $500,000 or more because they have the money for me. Okay. But I've never made, uh, but I've never broken six figures. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. it's really hard to coach somebody who's trying to get to a next level when you've never done that. So yeah. I'm just thinking about people listening and who, and a lot of coaches and people who are trying, oh, but how do I get those super premium clients? Well, you, you have to work up to it a little bit because you mm-hmm. have to be ready for them. 
you had the you, you didn't have the luxury. You created the luxury for yourself to decide one day I'm only going to work with these uh, people who are a little more advanced in business. Yeah. 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 And it's really interesting because it's kind of, it's the same process I go through with some of my clients. It's like, I like to know what they, one of the reasons, and you've done the prep work, right? So um, I want to know a lot of things about your business. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important because it just helps. And it doesn't mean that we can't still take that next leap. But I think I've seen it and you've seen it. One of the reasons people don't get a return on their investment from programs they go through or people they hire is because those programs might be marketed very well. They might be very well branded, but it's it's not backed up necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I always go back to one of my clients, Deborah Asraf, who was very- I know. I, oh gosh, yeah, isn't I, she the best? Yes. I love her. I, long time. I remember when we first met and she wanted to join my accelerator. And this is like six or seven years ago. She wanted to join my accelerator. And she goes, but Carolyn, I haven't screwed so many times. I just paid $3,000 to a business coach. And I didn't, I haven't made a dime for four months because she told me I should do this, this, and this. She goes within 10 minutes of meeting, she was telling me how I needed to change my business. Oh my goodness. And so she was super, like, so worried. And Deborah was one of my greatest success stories because she did end up joining my accelerator and building a very successful business. But I know who her coach was. Mm-hmm. And her coach is lovely. But I think there's this how to get premium clients, how to make this much money. Here's what you sell. She didn't have the chops to back it up. Mm-hmm. She lovely, but her leap was a little too big. Mm-hmm. I don't even think she'd made six figures in mm-hmm. her business. And it's really tough because we want to strive. We want to take that next leap, but sometimes people bite off a little bit more than they can chew and they're promising things they can't deliver on. And I never want my clients to be in that position, which is why we talk so freaking much about what that thing is and mm-hmm. what the value is and why people should buy it and how to have how to help them understand that this is right for them if it is. So I think about <laughs> I'm just thinking about one of the some of the conversations we had <laughs> about people who were not right. Right. <laughs> and and just going, yeah, that's good. That's all right. I'm okay that that person's not right for it. And not because you wouldn't have delivered, but they weren't ready. Yeah. So it goes both ways. I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I have talked to lots of people and I I have, I, I, I try to embody this because I think everybody should, if, if it's not a good fit, you, you have to be happy to let people go, not upset that it didn't work out. It's not going to serve them well or you well to work with someone who isn't really truly aligned with what you are providing and what you're showing up to, to share. And I've, I definitely, when I was enrolling people in this first iteration of uh, my program leap, I talked to some people who just mentally weren't ready. They seemed ready on paper. When I spoke to them, I said, I just don't think you're there yet because you're not ready to commit to this kind of work. And if you're not ready to commit to the kind of work, it's like we were saying before about options. If you're not ready to commit to looking at the options, you're not going to see the options. You're definitely right. not going to jump on an option that might be out of the realm of possibility for you right now. Yeah. And that's the mental work. 
And yep, it is the mental work and that's okay. I mean, I think about early on in my entrepreneurial journey, how I was in such a fog in so many ways. Like just, it would drive me nuts if someone called themselves a conscious entrepreneur. I'd be like, are you kidding me? Like, Because <laughs> I didn't really understand what that meant. And st- I would still never call myself that. But like my consciousness, consciousness level has raised so much. And I mean, you and I both know that owning a business is like the greatest personal development. Yes. In the world. Vehicle, like, yes. There is just n- nothing better than that. And you have to be willing and go through a lot of yuck sometimes to get there. But yeah, I, you you have to be willing to do that work. And, and, and also going back to what you were saying uh, before, when I, when we're talking about people who are going too quickly to the, I'm going to, I'm going to jump into coaching people on premium priced services when I've never when I haven't hit six figures yet, it's a perfect example. I think there's also an evolution of the kind of businesses, and I've been mapping this out recently. There's kind of an evolution that you have to go through. And the first one is actually built, becoming the expert at the service that you offer and building that business. And after you do that, you can then evolve into teaching other people, coaching other people one-on-one or gr- usually one-on-one and then group. But I think... A lot of people, I've talked to some 22-year-olds who are like, I want to do a group coaching program about business. I'm like, you haven't, you have, what on what? <laughs> like there's a billion people who actually own businesses that would be more equipped to do this and no fault of your own. It's just that you're not at that step yet. Um, and there's a lot of talk out there. You can just start this group coaching program on whatever you have. And I just don't know if right. that's true. So let me ask you this. So from a marketing perspective, mm-hmm. I feel like people buy that because it's yep. very well marketed. Yes. And and then here's the cycle I see. And we're talking probably more about people who are just starting businesses or haven't hit six figures. I think once you hit six or multiple six figures, like you're just a little... You have to. Wise to the ways. You have it. to have gotten wise It's in some way. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like there's a little bit of there's that balance between you want to inspire people. You can do anything. So buy my program and it'll teach you how to do this. And then what happens is I feel like people have so many of those experiences where they're like, okay, I can do it. I'm going to offer it. But now I just let all these other people down. And now words gotten out that I haven't, I, I, my program is going to be a flop. It's, I'm not going to be able to sell it again because of that. And then they start to feel bad about themselves. And I think there's, there's this whole thing with the, the carrot of you want to inspire people to show them that they can be more, do more, all of that. But sometimes that leap, leap is so big. And then you talk, listen to a mindset guru and they'll talk about the quantum leap. You can go from here to here. All you need to do is have the right mindset. I disagree with that. I am just far mm-hmm. more practical mm-hmm. when it comes to that. So I'm not helping anybody by saying that, but. <laughs> no, I mean, I, sometimes when I'm writing marketing copy specifically, I go through this emotional roller coaster of thinking just that because I want to because it is, here's what's possible. I can teach mm-hmm. you, and and you can get there faster with 
with uh, strategic information than you would just feeling around in the dark, which I feel like I was doing for a long time. You absolutely can get there faster, but it doesn't mean there's no work. And it's like a downer these days to say like, it's going to be, there's hard work involved. <laughs> I know. Sorry. It's like, wah, wah. Oh, I have to like work Simple, really hard. Easy, fast. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's off the table. <laughs> right. No, but, but I wouldn't say that. I would say there are simpler and easier and faster yeah. ways to do things. hundred percent. Right. There are simpler, easier and faster ways, but building a business, truly one that you love, you're not going to have a fulfilling business you love if you're not really operating at an excellence. So like if you're not striving and creating and going to the top of your game and creation is is not always easy. It's writing, sometimes it's it's pulling something out of your soul to write something good and the editing process. I mean, it's just not all of a, a cakewalk. So, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that it's it, it's it's hard work, but it doesn't mean that it's bad work. It's just, so anyway, I'm just going off on a tangent because when you're marketing, you, you almost don't want to say, but it's going to be a lot of work. I, I write that stuff, I'm like, <laughs> but don't think this isn't hard work because- It could be a lot harder and a lot less effective yes. without expert guidance, I, I think. I, it's interesting that you think I am, even though I don't call myself an expert and I'm certainly not, but wise to the ways of marketing and branding, because I feel like marketing is like the bane of my existence. Oh my gosh. It's so easy to like help my clients with it. And I, of course I do it for my, myself and I, my team, but oh my gosh, I love that you see that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you have a, do you have a copywriter? Cause I want to hire them if, if you're, if you're not the one writing that stuff. It's a lot of work. Yes. And it's, I've started saying literally like in the last couple of days, if you own a business, you need to be a marketer these days. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you own a, a service business, if your business is online, if you want to be a thought leader, if you want to be seen as an expert, if you want to build authority, you have to become a marketer. Just accept mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And, and accept it. So you stop resisting because, and by the way, if you become a marketer in any capacity, you have skills that are, will always make you money because this world is not going to change that drastically. No matter what happens, <laughs> marketing skills are super useful. Writing skills are very useful. Being able to write, being able to clearly and concisely talk to somebody and connect with them and talk about their problem and help them through it and show them the light. I mean, that is such a great skill that I, I tell my all my cousins who are in their early 20s, I'm like, just write, please. You don't have to know what Ooh. you to do, but just start writing something. Good advice. Yeah. I, I mean, I say I'm not, I know I'm a marketer. I know yeah, I'm a marketer. A very good marketer. I always wish I had like the secret formula. Like what's the secret formula silver bullet that works so well? <laughs> but it's different for everybody. And that actually comes back to the, the multiple six-figure earners who I work with. They're so unique in who they are and what they bring. And finding that magic for them is, is what I think is so important. I want a me for me mm -hmm. like that. That's just what I want. I want a me for me. But I think about one of my clients emailed me yes the other day and she said her subject line was, wow. She said, Carolyn, I just sat down and wrote an article in 10 minutes, posted on Facebook and it already has 25 shares. Wow. Now what do I do? <laughs> and so we, we talked about what she should do, but like, 
it's taken us a little bit of time to get her to that place of where she can write something that's shared 25 times within a half a day with 10 minutes of effort. Mm-hmm. Oh, Not it, even effort. it takes so much time to get to that place where it falls out. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's I, I, the, the, so, so anyone who's listening who hasn't hit six figures, just keep writing and you'll get there. Keep Anyone writing. who's beyond six figures, just keep writing and doing your thing. <laughs> and find, but like finding the ease in it and finding like the, the flow mm. of it because it's going to be different for everybody and it's going to change over time. I, when I first started this business, I did a video every week, every Thursday night. Wow. I would set up my damn camera. It was easier when I lived in Minneapolis in a big house in New York. It became more challenging and did a video every week. And I did it for like two or three years. And then I just hit a wall and I'm like, no more. And then I changed, did something else for a while, went back. Like, and I, so I think it's also like, that's giving ourselves permission to just like what feels right in this moment. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. doing something that excites you because if you are, if you don't want to do video, then video is probably not your medium (laughs) because it's already tough to do a video every week when you do want to do it Mm -hmm. Um, because it's just, there's just a lot of moving pieces, but, but the, that flow that you're talking about, you're you're so right. And I I see it so many times when we actually help not just rebrand somebody or, or synthesize the brand for them, or I coach somebody through finding their brand, but when they really embrace it, because those are kind of two different things. You can, you can pull a brand out of somebody, but they have to really own it. And when I've seen people embrace that brand and we have a client, I won't say her name right now, but we have a client in common who just had that experience recently because she, she's, and I think I'm talking about she was like, oh, I'm, I'm finally getting there. And I've been watching her do this for years because you can always go farther, but she emailed me and said the same, I, I, I'm finally embracing it. And this took me five minutes to write. Like, oh, okay, then you know you have found it or you're starting to embrace it when it's easy. That is the mark of you having really found your flow. I did a, a you know, a Priya Milani. I did an episode with her a couple episodes ago. It took her a long time to really embrace it. But when she did, her content is just so on point because again, it's just it's embracing that voice and it falls out of her because it's really authentic to her. And of course, we're talking about people who their content is coming from them. Mm-hmm. Right. You're selling your Yes, name. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's the constant experimentation. It's just if, if I were to sum up business in a couple of sound bites, one is it is constant experimentation. Mm-hmm. And just going into it unattached, like I'm going to write this and I'm, I don't mean like mail it in on mm-hmm. an attachment. I mean, like do your best, but not everything's going to be a winner. Not everything's going to land. And so, and I learned that lesson from one of my friends and fellow mastermind masterminders, Tina Forsyth. And she's just like, we were doing some partnership thing a few years back and many more than a few years back. And I said, well, what if it doesn't work? And she goes, how will we know? We have to experiment. And I was like, oh, oh. so that experimentation piece yeah. just, I think makes business so much more fun. It, like, so that, and then the other thing is like, hold it lightly again, do your best, but hold it lightly. It's just not everything is going to go your way. Sometimes the tension is somewhere else. It de- like, it doesn't just hold it lightly. And, and I think that when we start to do this, like where we need to, 
feel like we need to clench or hold on to something, it it's hard to grow. It's hard to expand if you're like holding on for dear life to what you have, which probably isn't yours anyway. And, yeah. and I don't mean like not your content, not your intellectual capital, but like right. it's not yours to keep from a universal perspective. Yes. Yes. I love that so much. I think that is quickly becoming a, a common theme and thread through all these episodes because I'm talking to badass business owners and a common topic that comes up is the idea of it's okay to fail. You have to be okay with that. Detach from the outcome. There is no entrepreneur who is successful who hasn't tried things that didn't work. That's just not possible. Nobody has a straight linear path where everything just worked, 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 and now they're successful. That's not how it works. It's the experimentation. And being detached from the outcome, it's taken me years. I'm still not there, but it's taken me years to come as far as I have in terms of it's okay if this thing doesn't work and the sky's not going to fall in because I posted this and nobody liked it. Okay, fine. So it's something else. So let's try something yeah. else. Next. 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 Yeah. And And I think part of what has tripped me up sometimes. And luckily I have a partner who is happy to point this out to me all the time, which is I, you look at marketing copy and you fill in the blanks and you think this person, oh, they, it's so easy for them. It, they did it all. The, no, if you've been, and I have been in this long enough to be able to read between the lines, mm -hmm. but it's easy to marketing copy is doing a certain service for the person. So it is presenting a very specific picture for you. Right. And I think it's very easy when you don't know what to do to think that this person has not just figured it out, which I think a lot of people have found things that really work for them, but as if they didn't try lots of things that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, yes, right? exactly. The other thing I want to say about that is I think it's really easy to, to perceive that what someone's doing is working. Yes. Thank you. That I, there, yeah. That's what Steve is really pointing out. <laughs> that, I mean, sure, we all know Marie Forleo has hit it big, but I'm sure she's made her mistakes. And I think we look at how things are done time and time again. And we just, oh, I'm going to copy that. Wow. That was like, I'm going to use that as inspiration. It's fine to use it as inspiration, but don't, don't assume that what somebody's doing just because they do it week after week, like they just might be a glutton for punishment. It might be working. It might not. And so right. I, it's, it's, it's also one of the things that f makes my work so fulfilling is we just get to make up what works for you. Like period. Yes. End of story. There's like no other anything. I mean, you would never find a script on how to write a sales page or sales copy or have a sales conversation around something, or you would never find what you created in some textbook for like, right. this is how you do it. Like you just, you can't. And that, that's what I think is so fun about being and working with multiple six figure and seven figure business women is that like, we've earned it. We deserve to have amazing businesses and do it the way we want. Like we deserve to be the badass of our business. We deserve to be the boss of our business because we've earned our stripes and also know that there might be a little trip even in like glitch to the next, to that next level. But it's going to be a much smaller one. Mm -hmm. And 
So I love the evolution of business. I love the evolution of entrepreneurs. I love going through those growth phases time and time again. And just like, and you embody this. This is who you are and what you stand for. And like, you've done it yourself and you say, I walk the talk. You definitely walk the talk as well. I just really feel like you're such a great model for, for what people aspire to be and do. So I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I look up to you so much for everything you've done. So I really appreciate that. I, and I, I think I can see what you're talking about in this more advanced stage. I think people in the more advanced stage of their business or farther along are able to see those possibilities like we were talking about before and are able to embrace them. I guess, especially maybe because you don't work with them as much anymore. What do you, what do you think somebody who is starting, who is, who is newer, who is not there yet, what do you think they need to do or what advice do you have to them to, so that they can get to that next stage? Well, it's always going to start with business model. (laughs) Um, And as part of that, it's looking at what makes you unshakably you. Like, what is it you bring to the table? What value do you deliver that other people might do it too, but you have your own spices. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is the very first thing. And then also get really clear on what you stand for on behalf of the people you, and this is what you work with, with your people Mm -hmm. is that you you stand for? How are you a thought leader and how are you showing up as a thought leader? So that, 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 those first two things are super important. And then it's all about how do you market those things that you just established? So this is how I'm going to make money. This is my business model. This is what I'm going to offer. Here are my value streams. And then here's, here's what I stand for and why. And and then it's all about marketing from there and sales from there. So, but if you you can market all you want, and if you don't have a solid business model or a solid offer, or you're not clear on what your true value is for delivering that, you don't have a business. Yep, you don't have a business. And some people are not even there yet. They don't have, they don't know exactly what that value is, in which case you have to just go work with people. That's yeah. I usually just tell people you, you need to gather experience, not like pay mm-hmm. your dues, but you got to figure this stuff out. You can't jump right into here's what I am most valuable for. If you yeah. haven't really provided services to anybody yet, or you've only had one client or your client was while you were working at a company. I mean, there's just kind of a, again, this is the wah-wah advice, but it's like, <laughs> go work with some people. Just be hungry to work with people and show up and give your be- give it your all and give it your best because that's where you'll find that value. That's what you're figuring Yeah. Right. And don't be afraid of constructive criticism. Like I still... I mean, I've been around a long time. I still want to know from my clients, what did you get out of this experience? What what would you have done differently? Like, and I want to adapt as as much as I can in real time so that they get what they want from their 90-day sprint with me or year-long engagement or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So that's I like it's scary sometimes to find out what people really think. And I like, <laughs> but it's part of the process. Like when I do my half day intensives with my clients, I send a quiz or not a quiz, a survey and just say, okay, can you tell me what your experience was? Like, how did we do? How do we do? Cause this is the foundation of everything we're going to do forward. How did we do? And I had a client, I don't know, maybe six months ago who 
she's like, I can't respond to it because it's not what I expected. Because hmm. she came in with very different, like she wasn't, she came in with expectations she stated and expectations she did not oh. state. Yes. And so, and, and, and so fine. Like we totally adapted everything. Like I brought in Colby and like, we did all sorts of stuff. Cause I, if I had known her Colby, I probably would have had this figured out sooner, but it, like we had to adapt, but that's also why I will not do a half day intensive with someone and then just like walk away unless I really like, yeah. Mm. And, now she's re- she's renewed and you know <laughs> right. like everything worked out but th- sometimes those i don't sometimes i don't want to hear it but i need to and so well i, I mean sometimes that's actually so interesting that that happened you're so right about the expectations stated expectations versus unstated and i remember when i sat down for our half day the first thing you asked me was something along the lines of what are you what are your expectations i don't know how you phrase it what are you looking to get out of this or what are you hoping and i i was like i knew i love this woman because that's the first question in my brand shrink too <laughs> it's the first thing i asked them so what why are we here what are you looking to get out of this because i don't think people think it's okay to ask that for some reason it's not okay to like as if they should know and read their minds no ask because it may not fit into the formula that they have designed or developed for for that experience. Yes. And so yeah. that's I mean, that's where it's like there's the I know best, I know what's best for you mode of coaching mm-hmm. and there's the you know best. And mm-hmm. so it, 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 if it's the I know best, it's not really coaching. It's more consulting. Mm-hmm. And I would say I'm a mix of coaching. I was going to say me too. And I don't like yeah. to call myself a coach because I, I prefer to. <laughs> yeah. That's why, that's why I'm like, nope, I'm a strategic thought partner. You yes. can call me a coach, you can, whatever yeah. you want. But, and, and that there's, there's not one right or wrong. It's just knowing who you're hiring, mm-hmm. who's hiring you, making sure. And it was one of those things where I, it was a good it was a good reminder for me and I was okay with it. Like I was a little uncomfortable because I'm like, I've been at this a long time. I haven't had this happen, but she was also one of those clients. I told her, I said, you're kind of on the cusp in terms of earnings for hiring me. Mm -hmm. And, and I said, so I want you to really give this serious consideration. I can help you, but I think you're on the cusp. And so then after that happened. And this is like, I don't even mind sharing this stuff because I don't want people to ever think that I'm perfect or that I have it all figured out. But I really thought that was such a great reminder because I know who my custom clients are. (laughs) And also with that said, I also know how to turn it around. If it was cusp and it was like going to go downhill, I would have just said, all right, here's your money back. Bye. But instead we decided to stick with it. And now she's got like, it's been the most amazing experience for both of us. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I feel like she is like a Louise Hay uh, type of, like she's got that kind of power and wisdom. So I'm super excited that we get to continue working together, but it was, I had to adapt. (laughs) I had to pivot. (laughs) Yeah, no, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I think it's also, it's also a great story in showing people that there's always ways to fix a problem. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people get scared because I'm usually encouraging people to package things and have their own process. And they're worried, oh, if it doesn't work, or what if they don't like it? 
And it's like, there's, if you, if you really know your stuff and you miss the mark because of whatever, maybe there's a miscommunication, maybe because they didn't tell you their expectations, even though you asked, there's always a way to make it better and actually come out on top where everybody's even more happy. So I really appreciate that story because I think people are so scared of that, of that moment as if the, the, the sky's going to fall because of that so, moment. It's only, it's only an opportunity. Yeah, it is. It is an opportunity. And I think that if we're afraid of growth, criticism, failing, I mean, this does feel like kind of want, 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 but if we're afraid of it, it's just really hard to have a business that's going to continue to be a badass business. It's because all of a sudden you're letting your business be the boss instead of you being the boss. And so I don't think that's want, want at all. I think that's exactly <laughs> what we're talking about here. All right. On the good. show, your business is boss podcast. That's what we're talking about. It's, it's got to be okay. And that's why I wanted to talk to people like you who are showing that you have so much success. And this is a part of that being okay with, with those uncomfortable moments. You just have to be if you want success. Never going to mail it in, but always going to, not always going to get it a thousand percent per, which is great. Like I really look back on this past year since I made the decision to give up my accelerator and only work Uh with my uh, private clients. And that was a scary step because I was giving up hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in revenue. Like that, that, was scary. Yeah. And I was just like, nope, this is what I need to do. And I, and I also changed my coaching model slightly for the clients of my, the private clients I was working with to say, we're going to do 90 day sprints and you have unlimited access to me over those 90 days. And some people take massive advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And other people are like, okay, every two, three weeks, <laughs> like, but you're just like, I'm not going to waste your time. Yeah. This, I've got something, let's do it. And um, not that my other clients are wasting my time, but there's, but but it all kind of works out. It all kind of balances it out. And I love it because no one walks away feeling like they didn't get what they needed. Mm -hmm. And, and like the results, there's some simple, and it was also very scary to kind of do this unlimited thing, but there's some simple like switch or mind shift set shift that went along with that, that I started to notice in my clients that there was less of, okay, but I only have this much time left with you. Like there's none of that. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Well, if I need an extra 15 minutes here or whatever, I can get it. I know I can get it. And they feel like they're my only client during that time. I did mix up clients two weeks ago. Yeah, (laughs) I was like, Oh, that thing you were doing? Like, oh no, that wasn't you. But that like, but they, yeah. my clients feel like they're the only client. Mm-hmm. And I really like creating that experience that they're getting exactly what they came for. Yeah. And hopefully. What else about that model? Actually, as you're explaining it, I see how we, our brand up has a lot of that in it. We do have a very clear, when we do a full brand up after the branching, we, we put the list of things together. But during the brand up, we create more than that. We just always do. We give them everything we possibly can. It's within a right. structure, but we give them everything we possibly can. And we're willing to do go the extra mile here and there because we're charging enough for that to be the case. And that's how I like it. I like to charge enough where I'm okay if we end up, oh, you know what? You need this thing too. We're just going to do it. I want to be in that position. I don't want to say, 
you know, go to the contract. That's how I think of it. When people, oh, you have this many hours right. and this, go to the contract. We have eight sessions. That's what it, this is. That sucks. That's, yeah. that's how you feel when you're on the phone with a lawyer you're like, are you charging me for this five minutes? Yeah. <laughs> you don't no. want it to feel like that. So you want to no. charge enough so that you can just be expansive in the, in the relationship and just give them whatever they need. And that's yeah. the goal. Yeah. Yeah, it feels really good. And with that said, I know we've talked about this before too, is there are boundaries still. Like unlimited doesn't mean limitless. It means, um, you know, like there are boundaries. I'm not going to... Yeah, I'm not your therapist. We're not going to... Yeah, I'm not going to be texting with you at 3 a.m. You know, nobody's nobody's business is going to have that kind of an emergency. But I really feel like the because of the women I'm working with, there is just a calm that comes along with who they are because they know themselves in different ways and um, in a different way. Like, I just feel like there's a different, I think every woman out there has her own flavor of wisdom. And I know you, I know this, you don't just market exclusively to women, but I I know that everyone has what, but you do. Yes, Yes. I do. Yeah. So it's not just, it's like everyone has this level of wisdom and it's, it's fun. Like I even think about it at my age, what my, what, what I was wise to five years ago versus your today versus five years ago or today versus 10 years ago. And it's really, it's really fun knowing that the more we challenge ourselves and let go of who we were or what defines us now, when you let that go, you move into a new level of wisdom when you're willing to do that. And I think that's part of the fun too of, but I think it's hard I don't know. I think it's hard to just like keep filling up the basket and carrying the basket and expecting to hold on to everything. Something's got to go. Something's like something's got to go. So, well, those are wise words and wise ideas that I think should inspire everyone listening. So I'm going to thank you for dropping all these golden nuggets our way. It has been such a pleasure having you and to your continued success and to our continued relationship. Yes. Love it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. For those of you who have stuck around this entire time. <laughs> oh, they're, they, they want more. If you want more, I'm going to tell you how to get it in a second. Right. Thanks, Carolyn. Thanks, Pia. If you've already experienced a lot of success in your business and you're wondering what's next, check out Carolyn's Beyond program at carolynherforth.com backslash beyond. I did it and can't recommend her highly enough. The link is in the show notes at piasilva.com. Also, if you know other entrepreneurs who struggle to put their business in its place and could benefit from hanging out with us, please share this podcast with them. Hard work can only take you so far. It's how you show up in your business that makes the difference. And to make sure that you don't miss an episode of Show Your Business Who's Boss, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast player. Taking inspiration from Carolyn today, take 10 minutes, 30 minutes, more if you want, and try entertaining some wild ideas about your business and even your life. Ideas that would normally be totally out of the realm of possibility. Sometimes we're scared to even entertain these ideas, but amazing things can happen when you do. And for more help with that, check out the Show Your Business Who's Boss crash course that I mentioned earlier in this episode at badassyourbusiness.com backslash CC. The link is also in the show notes. Show Your Business Who's Boss is produced by Yellow House Media. Production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode is edited by Marty Seafelt. Production assistance by Kristen Runvik. 
creative direction by Steve Wasterball. Our theme music is Glass Prisms by Western Runners. 